or if you say it at the register, we'll be really happy to. <laughs> there is the uh, SB Workers United Instagram. Um, they post constantly um, about any updates with the union elections. I know they're pretty big on Twitter too, um, and they post like daily who is filing across the country because there's new petitions every day. Um, so that's a that's how I've been staying updated at least. That wraps it up for this episode of Labor Radio this Monday and every Monday at 6 p.m. on 90.7 FM KBOO. We've been talking with Quentin Canta and Abigail Darling of Starbucks Workers United. I'm Jamie Partridge here with my co-host Laura Wadland. Stay tuned for Prison Pipeline. Listening to Prison Pipeline here on KVOO Portland. I want to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBU. Show your support for Prison Pipeline and for KBU by becoming a member of KBU today. Just go to kboo.fm/give. Help us meet our $15,000 goal. We're community funded and we need your support to get there. So just go to kboo.fm slash give or text to KBOO to 44-321. Thanks and now on for today's show. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me be Good evening, you're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Um, tonight we have Deborah Arthur with us, and Deborah's going to be telling us about an event that's happening at PSU this week. And um, after we hear a little bit from Deborah, we're going to be going to an interview with uh, several members of the event who are going to tell us a little bit more. So, uh, Deborah, why don't you tell us what's going on this week at PSU? Great. Um, yeah, thanks for having us. I'm really excited that this week, um, Thursday on the 3rd, we're going to be hosting an event uh, called Educating for Change, a conversation with College Behind Bars. And we're going to be, we have the honor of uh, featuring a screening of the College Behind Bars film, uh, an Emmy-nominated film done by um, filmmaker Lynn Novick. And uh, we're going to have a panel discussion and address um, higher education in prison. Uh, that's this coming Thursday um, in the Smith Memorial Student Union in the ballroom. And um, we're super excited for this, this event. Thanks, and Deborah, can you tell us a bit about uh, the panelists? Who's gonna be on the, who's gonna be on the panel? Yeah, um, so we're gonna have a screening and then the, the Q&A panel uh, features 
a couple of folks who are featured in the film, Daiwan Tetro, uh, who is a BPI uh, alumnus, and, and Rodney Spivy-Jones, who's also a BPI alumnus, are flying out um, to be with us. We're going to have Linnell Rowe, who's a student uh, in PSU's higher ed and prison program. Uh, she's um, back in the community, but she was in our very first class um, of our program, and we're excited to have Linnell. Uh, Tracy Hightower is the Director of Education and Training for the Oregon Department of Corrections, and we're thrilled to have the DOC um, on board. And then we're going to have uh, Mike Schmidt, Multnomah County DA, and Senator Michael Dembro, who really has been a, a legislative leader on these issues in Oregon. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, why don't we go now to a um, pre-recorded interview we did with and here's more about it. Thanks so much for telling us about that, Deborah. Thank you. Good evening. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KBOO Community Radio. Um, tonight, uh, Deborah, Michelle, and Daiwan with us. Um, would you all please uh, introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what's coming up? Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Deb Arthur, and um, I'm faculty at Portland State and one of the co-founders um, and the acting director of the higher ed and prison program at PSU and uh, super excited to be having the folks from the College Behind Bars team and Daiwan and Rodney uh, coming out to uh, share the film with us on Thursday and have a panel discussion. Yeah, hi, I'm Michelle and I am the co-chair of our Freed Mind student group. Um, I'm also a senator with RASPSU. Um, on campus and our student group was the um, hosting group for this event and we're really excited um, our group is meant to support students who are formerly incarcerated or um, affected my name is Daiwan Tetro and I am an alumnus of the Barb Prison Initiative one of a group that is prominently featured um, in the four-hour, four-part Lenova Ken Burns documentary, College Behind um, Bars. And the Bard Prison Initiative is a college and prison program in New York State. And we also do work to foster other programs across the United States. And really happy to be coming to Portland um, with my friend and peer, Rodney Spivy, for what I think will be a narrative-changing event around not only the film, but the role that college and prison can play through PSU to change the trajectory of people's lives. Uh, Michelle, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on this Thursday at PSU? Yeah, so we are having both a in-person, um, we have limited seating, but um, to 100 people, we're having an in-person live panel discussion um, with Daiwan and Rodney from the um, film. But basically we are gonna show a few clips from um, the film. We're gonna have a little bit of a screening and then we wanna have a panel discussion around education and incarceration. Um, it's something that affects the students that are in our student group. And we want to um, just kind of explore not just the film, but um, the future of these, uh, the work that's being done with the Bard Prison Initiative and with um, other, you know, groups that are happening and hopefully start really working towards a change in our systems. Thank you. Um, Daiwan, can you tell us about the, the movie? Um, 
are, are we are we going to be seeing the whole movie on uh, on Thursday, or um, did, did I hear Michelle say we're seeing segments of it? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the the, the documentary? Um, I wish we could watch the whole thing, but it's four parts in four hours, and I, I think it's better watched by people at home where they have time to think and reflect upon it. I think, you know, this event is around pulling some clips out that we can stimulate a conversation and fresh thinking around. Um, and so that's what we are going to do. But the film follows myself and other BPI students over about four and a half, five years while we are working to attain degrees to the Bard Prison Initiative. And so um, the filmmakers had ac unprecedented access to New York State prisons. And I think that the film really, really demonstrates to people, you know, what is possible when we set the bar higher and raise expectations, right? A lot of what people see about incarcerated people in this country, especially in popular media, is derogatory and stigmatizing, right? It posits people as dangerous, as lazy, as irredeemable, right? And what this film shows is that if you give individuals the tools and skills they need while they're incarcerated, they will build better lives for themselves back in their communities. And that is college and prison, right? Thank you. Um, Deborah. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of higher education in in uh, different kinds of uh, facilities here in the United States? Um, my understanding is that we used to have more access to higher education at both federal and state institutions. First thing I want to say is that also on our panel is a woman, um, Linnell Rowe, who is a student who was in our very first cohort at uh, of our higher education and prison program at Coffee Creek, and um, she's out. She's you know back home. She has a job. She's um, continuing her education, and so we'll have a local um, student as well to join the panel. So I'm super excited to hear from Linnell also. And then um, there used to be all kinds of college and prison programs before 1994, um, and then with the Clinton's crime bill. In 1994, Pell grants to people in custody were cut, and a lot of programs um, struggled and just closed up shop like rapidly. And then there were very few offerings. Um, it's been really dependent upon charitable giving and um, donations. And you know, there have been some programs that have been able to um, to continue to offer higher ed to folks who are in prison, but not very many, few and far between, I think. If late in 2020, Congress reauthorized or lifted the ban on Pell Grants to people who were incarcerated. So that is hopefully gonna change the landscape in a positive way. We could have a much more focused discussion about what that could do and what some potential um, things we need to be on the lookout for when that happens, but um, that's a bit of the history. Thank you. So Dewan, I was wondering if you could also address this. I think that the 1994 crime bill is an important moment sort of in the history of mass incarceration because it gives a lie to sort of the popular narrative of what we tell the public prisons are about, right? 
you send prison people to prison to be rehabilitated so they come back to society and not commit crime so on and so forth but the 1994 crime bill ended Pell eligibility for incarcerated people right it was a moment in the history of mass incarceration where the state the government pretty implicitly stated that we have an interest in people's punishment but one none whatsoever in their futures right and as a result of that funding cut nationally here in the united states went from having over 700 college and prison programs to less than 10 pretty much overnight it was devastating to the field and policymakers did that despite the fact that if someone got an education while they were in prison they were not only the least likeliest person to go back to recidivate right but also had the most successful post-release outcomes of any other um, formerly incarcerated demographic right and so I always like to point to that moment because it just gives a lie to that narrative of what we say prisons are about, right? Thank you. Thank you so much. So, um, Daewon, can you tell us about the uh, BARD prison initiative specifically and um, what kind of uh, impact and involvement that's had on your life? No, the BARD prison initiative is a small privately funded um, college and prison program in New York State. Um, we have about 300 students across seven different New York State correctional facilities. And Max Kenner, our executive director, um, founded the program in the wake of not only the 1994 crime bill and the Pell um, ban, but also what is a state level financial aid ban in New York known as the TAP ban. So a bunch of states following the federal lead in 1994 and 1995 stripped state level aid from incarcerated people right and so barred in 1999 went back into the prisons um in a privately funded capacity and you know max and other people at bpi barred college sort of built the program into a nationally recognized um entity in organization that it is today and as it is um featured um in the film um, I got into BPI while I was incarcerated at Eastern Correctional Facility in 2013. In that moment, like forever, changed the trajectory of my life, right? I have an older brother who's been to prison. I have a younger brother who's been to prison. And here I am today, less than five years after my release, um, not only running government affairs um, at the Bard Prison Initiative and working to expand access to college and prison, especially in New York, but also senior advisor um, at the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, right? And the first formerly incarcerated person to hold a national level campaign post at this organization at the executive level, right? And that's in stark contrast to the type of opportunities that have been afforded to my brothers who didn't have access um, to college in prison. You're listening to Prison Pipeline here on KVOO Portland. I want to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBU. Show your support for Prison Pipeline and for KBU by becoming a member of KBU today. Just go to kboo.fm give. Help us meet our $15,000 goal. We're community funded and we need your support to get there. So just go to kboo.fm give or text to kboo to 44 321. 
Can I also, can I jump in there? Please. Um, just to follow up on that. Like um, uh, I had a chance to see a screening of College Behind Bars when it first came out at the National Conference of Higher Ed in I was just so the Lynn Novick was there and, and some other alum and um, I was thrilled to see the screening and excited, but I had called Bard Prison Initiative in, uh, I don't know, 2013 or 14, um, because um, this was an issue I really cared about and I wanted Portland State University to develop this program. We're uh, Oregon's largest public institution in the largest urban area in the state. Um, the majority of folks that release from prison, um, you know, higher percentage come back to the Portland metro area. Um, our mission is let knowledge serve. We're an access institution. We're a social mobility institution. I was like, why aren't we doing this work? And so I reached out to Bard and I was like, hey, can we connect? Can we do Bard here? And, you know, uh, it didn't happen at that time. And we're still not formally connected, but to have um, folks from the media team for College Behind Bars contact me a few, several months, I guess, I don't know, six months ago now and say, hey, we read something that you wrote to the Oregon, some testimony I submitted to the Oregon legislature on a prison ed bill or, and we, so we've done a little research. We see you're developing a program. Can we come out and do the screening? I was like over the moon beyond excited because um, I just have so much respect for what, what they're doing at Bard. Um, you know, the way, like Daiwan said, it's a matter of opportunity. It's a matter of offering opportunity and the skills and the talents. Sometimes we tend to take folks who have been through that experience and come out and, you know, do something amazing, like the, the political work that Daiwan's doing right now. And I can name other examples. And then we just want to focus on the individual, like, wow, that's an amazing human being. Look what he's able to do with, you know, full respect, I want you, I'm sure you are an amazing individual. But I also think there's lots and lots of other folks behind Taiwan that could do the same thing. It's a matter of opportunity. So anyway, I'm, I'm thrilled to have them coming. We, um, we've really modeled our program after in many ways, as much as I could after the Bard Prison Initiative. We, our higher ed and prison program is currently focused at Oregon's only prison for women, Coffee Creek. And we start at the first year gen ed requirement. We're building a degree pathway um, for our approach. We feel it's super important to offer people the tools, the scaffolding, the skills to build um, their educational uh, toolbox and grow from there. Um, almost full circle to that first phone call I made to Bar just to explore, like, how can we do this? To now have them coming and helping us. We're in our third year of classes. Um, so we're a new program, but um, I feel like we're moving in the in the right direction, and I'm I'm so happy to that we can have this conversation. And Emma, I do just want to take a moment and speak to you know a point that Deborah made, and um, you know add that. And I, it's too often that I have to emphasize this, but you know I'm often in the position of having to explain to people that I'm not an exceptional pro person. I have an exceptional opportunity. Right, and if more people had access to um, a college in prison and to um, rigorous higher education and access to the networks that that brings and the job credentialization, um, there would be more of people like me in the world. And there are, right? There's a ton of BPI alumni doing amazing things, but even in New York, where we have probably the best college and prison landscape in the country, it's over 30,000 people in prison. 15,000 of them have a high school diploma or GED. 
less than 1,500 of them have access to college and prison, and even fewer of that number have access to degree granting programs, right? So even in New York, there's a real um, dearth of um, access. I was gonna touch on something also, um, and for our, our student group, for students who are affected um, on campus and even coming back, you know, into higher education afterwards, we're noticing that, you know, the opportunities still aren't there. So even, you know, um, you know, post-incarceration, the opportunities still just aren't necessarily always there. Um, the change in the Pell being available is going to make a huge difference for those um, people who are seeking higher education and, and, and want that path to do something else and to do something different. But it's it's just beginning, and we need these um, we need our institutions behind that. And I think that that's something really important to remember. It's not just it doesn't just begin and end, you know, when people are incarcerated. It it's something that affects us outside of that too. Um, Michelle, can you uh, circle back around and tell us again what uh, what's going to be happening Thursday at PSU? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're having a live um, panel discussion with uh, Daiwan and um, with Rodney and several other panelists um, that as a student group, we were really excited to go to have this opportunity to have everyone come out to campus and really sit down and be able to answer some questions around education um, in prison and higher education both in and out of prison and then what the next steps are for all of us um, going forward in this work and we're also offering a um, virtual live so if people aren't able to make it out to campus and come and sit with us then they can actually do a live zoom and submit questions and we can have them talk a little bit more about this entire topic and about the film the college behind bars film that we're going to be doing some uh, screening of the clips also during that conversation and um, do, do you need to register for this ahead of time to attend either uh, over zoom or in person uh, how do people uh, how do people attend it yeah um, so you do want to RSVP to the event and I think it, um, you can also find us on PSU connects so that's a pretty easy way to um, find the link our um, information is kind of going out everywhere right now we hope to continue promoting until we reach our capacity for in-person and then beyond that, obviously, for the uh, live Zoom. So if somebody were just listening to this, where, where would they find this online? Like uh, you said, they would go to something called PSU Connects and they could find it there? Yeah, so PSU Connects gives a um, all of the student groups on campus an opportunity to advertise and show our events and also have people be able to register directly for those events. And so it's really simple. You just can uh, Google PSU Connects and go on there and our event is on March 3rd. Our uh, doors open at 5. The event will begin at 5.30 and you can actually RSVP straight through there. Um, Daiwan, can you, t can you just, uh, you know, briefly give us an idea of what steps we need to take in this country in order to make education accessible to everyone, especially people who are incarcerated? Well, I, I think, you know, first and foremost, when we think about, you know, people who are incarcerated, we first need to recognize that the vast majority of those people are coming from under-resourced communities and went to the worst schools 
and didn't have access to higher education in their lives. And I think most people at this point in America are familiar with the um, school to prison pipeline. And so there needs to be a deep recognition that, you know, our failure as a country to make adequate um, investments in public infrastructure, including in social infrastructure, including, you know, our public school systems, um, leads, especially people from low income backgrounds into the prison system, right? And so there's a way to correct for some of this on the front end um, by changing our priorities in this country um, to things that, that we know work to lift people up out of poverty. And historically speaking, education has been really great at doing that, right? So more and better investments um, in our public schools and school infrastructure writ large with greater access giving to people who have the least access right now. And that's mainly, you know, black and brown people um, from um, low income communities. But in terms of, you know, college in prison, you know, as invention, Pell has been restored. That funding will start flowing again in June of 2023. Um, in New York, I'm working right now, and I think we're going to get it done this legislative session. The governor is committed to it. We have great momentum in the legislature to restore state-level financial aid to incarcerated people. That needs to be done in other states across the country, right? Because Pell is just not going to be enough to cover tuition alone for incarcerated students, right? So in order to do this well, in order to do it at the scale that is mass incarceration, you know, we need to couple the Pell restoration with the state level restorations of aid. But I think more importantly, we need more schools like PSU stepping up to implement programs in their communities, right? It's really, really easy us for some time to look at sort of the, the right or sort of to look at this as a partisan issue and criticize certain groups of people or things for sort of their lack of investment um, in the criminal justice space or in college and prison. But, you know, one thing I always like to point out is that some of our most liberal institutions and organizations in this country are doing nothing in this space, right? Why doesn't Harvard have a college and prison program, right? They have $40 billion in the bank, right? And so when we talk about access, I think there's many ways for us to expand it. Can I follow up on that and just say, um... I'm excited about the momentum in Oregon. Um, a, a year, two years ago, maybe now, um, PSU took the lead, but we organized the Oregon Coalition of Higher Education in Prison. So we meet with other folks who are providing um, education through their institutions in um, facilities that are closer to them. And um, we uh, just finished up work on a Senate Bill 234 in Oregon, which was to provide for equitable rollout of Pell statewide. And so there's been recommendations made to the legislature on what that should look like. So I feel like it's a really um, important moment in time. Things are shifting. I know our program is growing. We were thrilled to be one of 20 um, institutions of higher ed across the country to receive a grant from Ascendium Education Group and Jobs for the Future to help um, with our Pell readiness. So it, it's happening. It's When I was talking about this years ago, um, it was it felt innovative. Now we're late to the party, but it, it, we're getting there. And um, I'm super excited that I feel like this event will help um, reach a lot of folks and, and um, hopefully continue to move it forward here in Oregon as well. 
Thank you. Um, well, there's so much more that we could talk about, but we're actually out of time. But I mean, there, there's so many issues here. I really hope people will, uh, uh, you know, attend this this panel discussion um, because it sounds like there's still there's so much work to do, and we didn't even get to uh, numbers about uh, Oregonians who have access to higher education uh, in facilities. Maybe we could have you all back for a, for a follow-up show after the panel sometime uh, to talk more about Oregon and what we can do to build power here in Oregon. Happy to. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Michelle, if you could tell us one more time about this, this, uh, this event coming up at PSU, that would be great. Yeah, so we just hope to see everybody out Thursday evening. Um, we're having that panel discussion with uh, members from the College Behind Bars film. We are going to show some film clips and um, really have a conversation around education and higher education um, in prison and also what the next steps are even um, after incarceration. So it's, uh, it's a, gonna be a really important conversation that needs to be had. And we're really happy to be able to host that. And people, you said, can find out about that if they Google PSU Connects and look for the program College Behind Bars. It's going to be this Thursday. Correct. Great. Thank you. Uh, we've been joined tonight by uh, Daiwan Tetro, Michelle Harris, and Deborah Arthur. Thank you very much. It's really been a pleasure having you on Prison Pipeline. Before we go, I just wanted to remind you that this is a great time to become a member of KBU. Show your support for Prison Pipeline by becoming a member of KBU today. Remember, 80% of our funding comes from our members, and less than 10% of our listeners are members of KBU. We're an independent, community-supported, volunteered power radio, and our programming focuses on unique issues that you may not hear in the corporate media. So if you can, please help us meet our goal of $15,000. We're community funded and we need your support to get there. Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text to kboo to 44321. Thanks so much and have a great evening. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are good Oh Lord, please don't let me be You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. KBOO radio station is located in Portland, Oregon, in Multnomah County. We honor the indigenous people whose traditional and ancestral homelands we stand on. The Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, Watlala, Bands of the Chinook, the Tualatin, Kalapuya, and many other indigenous nations of the Willamette and Columbia River regions. It is important to acknowledge the ancestors of this land and to recognize 
that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. In remembering these communities, we honor their legacy, their lives, and their descendants with the forming of relationship to each other and the living world. We establish and support harmony within ourselves and set the stage for praxis. Kebu is looking for a next membership director. Kebu's members 